we have to create the right vibe, you know, the energy and everybody at the organization has to feel so privileged to be here. It's, it's no other way. Thanks for listening to the Purely Arsenal podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Purely Arsenal FP for all the latest Arsenal podcasts. Welcome to another edition of a Purely Arsenal sit-down podcast. We're here to review the 3-0 loss at home to Brighton and the end of our title race. And for this joyous pleasure, I've got Garrett Cruz again with me. How are you doing, Garrett? Back, I'm back. And it's, uh, I think, the first time in a long time I've done a podcast with you where we haven't won. So this is a different, a different feeling, I got to say. I'm very glad we didn't do this immediately after the match. I've had some time to, like, digest discuss you know we've been texting a lot about this i feel like i've been able to come to terms a little bit with it um more than i, I would have been very unreasonably passionate <laughs> had we done this hot after the match but you know the sun is shining it's all good man how are you yeah. doing? good good mate it's, it's all good you know i'm already thinking and talking with you guys about pre-season and what the prep marks are for us to get to the next level. And um, we took a huge jump this season, taking a huge jump with Arteta almost every season. And I don't see any reason why we won't next season. So despite the fact we've got to review it and we've got to obviously talk about the fact that we, yeah, you know, we've definitely had a setback. I think we've had, you know, two wins in seven. We've definitely had a, uh, our toughest part of the season. We'll talk about why. And then, you know, but, but ultimately we've got to look back at the whole season at this point as well. And I think it was probably a pretty lot, big long shot to, to push City at this point anyway. I feel like, you know, it was obviously lost a lot earlier than this, but it would have been nice to push them into that final week where they had to play the likes of Brighton and stuff like that. But um, but going into the game, Garrett, um, just before we obviously found out that Zinchenko was done for the season or possibly done for the season. Um, obviously, the season's only a few weeks now. So, we, um, so Tierney was an obvious replacement there. I had no, no real issues um, with that. Um, but then obviously during the game, we also lost Martinelli. We can talk a little bit about the referee decisions and what happened there, but it did feel like at that point, um, where I don't think we really started that well, but it felt like we, we really had a lot of first team players for whatever reason, weren't playing in this game, right? We had Saliba out for the season. We had party in the worst slump he's ever been in for Arsenal. And that might have something to do with the Saliba absence. It might have something to do with, I think, Ben White dropping off quite a bit as well. I'm noticing that sort of right side area not fitting. Then obviously the absence of Zinchenko, which going forward at least has been a huge part of our success this season. And then we lose probably our most on-form attacking player in, in Martinelli. So I just... Um, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. After you know, it's a three-nil loss. I think it wasn't really a three-nil game, but I don't think it was a game we deserved to win. Um, what were your thoughts on it? Are we overall, just just disappointed that we didn't push it a bit further. I think just from a overall perspective of of the match, you know, if we were to just kind of zoom through the entire thing and think about how I felt when it was all said and done, um, it just felt like the most lifeless immature performance that I've seen from this team all season. And it almost felt like this was a result of a team that was the second youngest squad in the Premier League. And it was just, it seemed like naive and I, I don't know. I, it seemed like we got beat on 
almost every facet of the game from, you know, player on player, uh, tactically, the manager, I felt like our substitutions were terrible. Um, yeah, I, I Other could... than the uh, Nelson one where he pushed Trossard inside and Jacker came off, which I kind of understood. Beyond I... that, didn't understand a thing. Yeah, I couldn't, I, I mean, I genuinely couldn't make sense of any, any of them. Um, the only one I could, uh, that I thought that I was like, okay, that makes sense. was when Martinelli couldn't walk anymore and he had to put Trossard on. <laughs> like, right. other, other than that, I, I didn't understand what the manager was thinking um, in, in that regard. I don't know. It, it, I'm, yeah, I'm getting frustrated again, just thinking about it, but it, it was, it was a really tough tough game to watch from start to finish. I thought it was super stop start. There's no flow to the game. I think the, the long uh, injury times in both the first and the second half kind of painted that picture as well. Um, yeah. Brighton. I think we gave them a little too much respect. Um, you know, the team's coming to the Emirates and we got completely outplayed uh, in, a, in, a, in many different ways. So I, I don't know. I, to me, it just, I guess to summarize, it was a naive, immature, and lifeless performance. Um, and I know the circumstances of where our potential finish in the season w- were. Um, I don't know. To me, it felt like a team that had known Everton had got the pants beat off of them right before we kicked off, and they just had no motivation. That, that's how it felt to me. I don't know if that's actually the truth or not, but it, it felt like a team that was maybe hoping Everton could take something from City who just beat this Brighton team 4-1 the weekend prior. And it didn't happen. I don't know. What do you think? That That's kind of where, I guess, to summarize. Yeah, it's hard to really disagree with that. I do think the first goal in games where <clears throat> you're not quite at it is quite crucial. And I've watched back parts of the first half and... A lot of people, I think you could watch that game in the first half and, and, and think Bryant were the better team. And I think for a large part, they were. They had about 62% of the ball. But I think we had eight shots to their two. And we had some really good chances in the first half. We we, we kind of pressed them into mistakes. Um, I don't know if you remember some of the chances we had. We had Saka, one that just went right near the, near the halftime whistle. But then early in that, Odegaard had a couple. One which he decided not to shoot. Very frustrating. One which yeah. just went past the post, which he didn't catch quite cleanly. Uh, Trossard had one that hit the bar. Jesus had one that near post. We had, we had by far the better chances. We didn't play well, but I do think it was quite... If we if we intended to play that way, I thought it was quite intelligent. I thought we really pressed high, and I thought we tried to catch them out. And they they love to play out the back. They're very confident in playing out the back. Right, they're almost more confident than any team I think in the league playing out the back, even more so than us at, yeah. at, at times. And it was impressive to see that they were just gonna they were just gonna do it anyway. But we did catch them out a few times. And I just think the first goal could be so crucial in a game like that because once you go one 0 down, and we've had so many of those at home this season. And, and there were four points behind, and, and you know there's very few games left, and it feels like it just takes the the, the drew, draws the energy out of you, you know. No. Um, so I wasn't. I remember at halftime saying, "Yeah, okay, we're not. Pl- I don't think we're playing great, but also we, we could easily be one or two nil up here and be going. We're not playing great, but we're up, and we we didn't. I don't. I felt we really let a few big chances go where we just sort of just didn't test the keeper enough to be honest um, yeah, the trust that, that, was, that was my biggest complaint with how we had performed up to the point of uh conceding 
was that we had create we had put ourselves in a lot of good opportunities to uh, take that first goal, and we didn't even test the keeper. I mean, Jesus, I think you're just about to say he he had that good shot at the near post. It was a nice save with his feet that the keeper yeah. made right there. But I mean, I just think back to like that the Odegaard chance hitting the crossbar. Uh, was the Saka chance that was in the first half when it was off the corner and he missed the he missed the frame. I mean, it was, it was inches marginally, but I, my big frustration is that, you know, when you get into these positions, I want to see my best players test the keeper, right? Yeah. Like if it's, I don't even know I, at this point, if it's Ben White or Gabriel or Kibior or someone that I wouldn't, or, you know, uh, Jorginho, who I mean, pops up with a goal here and there, but like, if it was someone that hasn't been as cr- uh, clinical for us this season, um, then I'd be like, ah, oh, fell to the wrong person, right? In this in this opportunity, but when but when Bukayo Saka has a chance to put it on frame and he's inside the penalty box and pulls it wide, it's just it's very frustrating. Um, it's Martin Odegaard should have taken a touch, bang, put it on goal, but he takes another touch and tries to play a player in. I don't know. It's just hard to hard to comprehend um, when they yeah. been clinical all season. Yeah, I agree because it fell to the players that had, we really relied upon, and when they did so well, frustrating. We did so well in such a tough game against Newcastle to then go and not blow it, but just you know have a setback in in a, in a game that on paper is is one you know you 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 would like to have it, with it being at home and following such a bad defeat for Brighton and all that kind of stuff. And they had players out as well, you know. Mm-hmm. They had you know Lamptey out and one or two others out. And in the second half, I mean, the goal, the first goal, which is probably the most crucial part of the game, because after that, the game has to change and, you know, you, you start to go for things a little bit more, though I never really felt like we had them under the cosh really ever. I don't think we really sustained any pressure in the second half. It just didn't feel like we had what it took to come back, um, which made the changes all that I think the changes made us worse, if anything, which was which was crazy. But um the first goal was a lot of blame in different areas. I think Saka's pretty poor at tracking his man. I don't think Tierney does does great with the headed clearance. Like he just kind of just it just goes up in the air and back to the play. I'm not sure if he's off balance, but the obvious one is Kivio. I mean, I know people are saying it's a foul. I do want to go back to a couple of the referee decisions in the first half, but I know people are saying um, it's a foul. But when you watch it, even if it is a foul, you have to carry on unless your legs falling off, don't you? Yeah, I, I was, I, it was, <laughs> I almost didn't understand what happened. It was almost like, like everyone just kind of stopped. Slow motion. Yeah. And, then, and then I, I, when the goal went in, the celebration was almost like kind of muted. You know, the guy kind of ran off to the corner as if like, oh, is, is he going to give it to me? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. It seemed, it, it, I thought for sure something was going to be like, oh, the ref was going to blow his whistle and give us a free kicker restart restart play or I couldn't even I couldn't even make sense of what happened and then you see the replay and I mean maybe he I, I can't tell anyone how bad it hurt it didn't happen to me but if it, it just looked like a guy gave him a flat tire and took his shoe off like what well, it, it wasn't like he got raked down his Achilles or like stomped on his cap or something and I don't know if he was trying to make a meal out of it because he felt he was out of position or something I mean I don't know. I'm 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 really projecting. It's it's really like, odd. It was odd. Yeah, it was odd. But at, at the time we conceded, I mean, it was the 51st minute. So much time. It, there's there uh, we had eight minutes. I mean, there was 40 minutes plus 
45, 47 minutes of football still to play. And it seemed like it was such a gut punch. And it was, it was bad. I, I, and I don't think the referee covered himself in glory this entire match. It's not really. Well, what do you think about those first? I mean, the, the obvious ones that's throw out to you, the, the Martinelli two Martinelli, incidents. Right? Yeah. I think he's quite lucky, the very least, not to be carded for the first oh, yeah. one. Tomo. I mean, it, it, even if he got sent off for that, you probably would have had to take it on the chin. I mean, it wasn't a nice challenge. No. At the same time, it shouldn't affect the ability to make a decision on subsequent challenges. And, and Saicedo's one was, was pretty bad as well, and which ended up probably ending his season, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... Not only was it a bad challenge, it just looked bad. You know, like, uh, what's his name? Matoma? Matoma, yeah. Yeah, Matoma. I mean, he, like, flailed down to the ground, took it right to the chin, like, did a good little spin in the air, fell flat, motionless. I mean, it, it, he he might have been embellishing, but, I mean, it was a big hit. And you've seen red cards given for that, those types of, like, barge shoulder charges to the air. Um, so I was, I was really shocked. I don't know if, if it was the benefit of the time in which the foul occurred in the game. It was so early that the ref was like, I can't, I can't impact the game <laughs> this early. Um, but yeah, this, I see the one was, uh, was equally as clumsy. Um, and it ended up taking Martinelli off for the match. And I can't believe he didn't receive a card for that. And he might've been saying, well, I let you get away with one. So kind of got to get might have been playing some of that but I don't know I, th I think I, I hate discussing the referees because to me the the quality of refereeing in England considering the quality of the product is so not on the same playing field um it's just a it's a tragedy honestly um yeah and, but and, and I don't want to say that the referee impacted the, our ability to get something out of this match because we have, even though um, Zinchenko, even though Thomas Party might as well be out for the season considering his form, uh, the list goes on. Martinelli coming out early. This 11 that was on the pitch had plenty to get a result against the 11 that Brighton put on the pitch. And I just, I mean, I have the stats here in front of me and it's, I, I didn't realize it was this one sided. I mean, shots, they had two less shots, four more on target. Yep. Uh, 60%, two, yeah. 60% uh, possession from Brighton at, I, I mean, I would be shocked to see maybe outside of Manchester city, another team that's come in and had more of the ball than we did at home. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we actually dominated. Man, it, away was a little bit different. But Man City at home, we dominated the ball. Yeah. Man City at home, didn't we? And we know Brighton liked to have the ball, but the, we made it too easy for them. We made it way too easy. And the pa passes, they had almost two hundred more passes than us. Yeah, pass accuracy almost ten percent better. I mean, gosh, so poor. Do you think going forward, because Zinchenko has, I mean, I think there was some stat out there that says Zinchenko has about sixty to seventy passes a game, and Obviously, we can't play. There's no one really, and it's not really a slight on Tierney, but there's no one really in the team that takes that role on. Right? We used to put like way back in earlier in the season, like trying to put Tommy Asso in there, but just, no one takes that role on where they can just basically be right next to the central midfielders and just popping balls off left, right, and centre. I think Tierney had four passes uh, completed or something like that in the first half. So, but clearly, we didn't. What was 
good, I thought, about this game is we tried to use Tierney as more of a traditional left-back rather than inverted, and we clearly weren't trying to build play through him. And I, I thought that was that was a good idea. I was like, that, well, he, he, it's not something he, he's used to doing. I didn't actually mind that. It was more collectively, and I really felt the first goal. I, I was watching it, and I've watched the Bournemouth games and the other games where we've come back, and I certainly sensed a little bit of that, but I was like, I do not see anything in this team today that's going to bring us back and I think Arteta saw that too and that's why he made the subs that he did but I find it so odd sometimes I feel like he panics um in games and make subs just for the sake of making them you know and um rather than try to yeah rather than like top teams and which i think we are they figure things out you know they like against southampton he was he became more reluctant to make certain changes and what happened towards the end of that game the top players odegaard sackers they started to figure how to you know correct their their errors and 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 we almost won the game, and I'm put. I mean, I would never, like I said a few weeks ago, I'd, I'd never take Odegaard off if you're chasing the game. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no data to prove it. It, it always brings us back. So I mean, take, look at what he did against uh, was it Southampton? Yeah, it was like the eighth, ninth minute. Exactly. He a three goal comeback and in, in in one that we almost four goals in 10, 12 minutes. If yeah. it wasn't for two or five, two to five inches on the crossbar. Yeah. From Trussard, I mean that. The, the substitutions were were so um, I don't even know how to describe them immature from uh, Arteta's perspective. Like I, it just seemed like they were they, they had no real purpose. I, I don't I can't make sense of what he was doing. Like yeah. if you're chasing a game, why would you take off Gabriel Jesus and Martin Odegaard? Why would yeah. you do? And, and and I love him, but Bukayo Saka has been in the dumps for weeks. And he was having a bad game against Brighton. Exactly. I, 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 I mean, I understand he's the golden boy and the you know, star boy and everything, but like, take he, why would you not take Bukayo Saka off for Eddie and Kedia instead of a like for like and put Jesus down on the right? I mean, Jesus was like our only thing going forward. I, he yeah, was, I didn't think he did bad of, at all. Yeah, outside of Odegaard, I mean, uh, you could tell something was wrong because at some points in the second half, Odegaard's picking the ball up off of Ramsdale. And, and it reminded me of, like, when we were really struggling and, like, Mesut and Alexis Sanchez and Sandy Cazorla used to do that. They'd come, like, all the way into our final, into our third, or defensive third, and try and pick yeah. the ball up, try and progress it. And, and Odegaard was doing that this day. I don't know. I, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to remember exactly who the subs were for each. It was Smith Rowe for Xhaka, Reese Nelson for uh, no. It was Reese Nelson for Xhaka. Smith Rowe came on for Odegaard, I think, didn't he? Smith Rowe for Odegaard. It was Thomas Party for Jorginho, Trossard for Martinelli, and Enkedia for Jesus. And I, I, I just don't. I, I think this is probably Arteta's worst in-game performance as a manager of the season. Yeah, yeah. it felt like he he, he, he panicked at 1-0, even though we have, we've, we've shown we have the ability to come, to come back um, 
you know, from games where, where when you don't have to make, you know, wholesale changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like he did. Because, I mean, look, as much as I, I, I like Smith Rowe and Eddie, if you're trying to come back in a game at this point in time, there's not really a ton of evidence to suggest that they're the players to bring on at this moment in time. Eddie come back from a four or five week layoff. Smith Rowe, you've not trusted at any point really so far. So if you're not trusting it, you, you know, you don't trust him to bring you back. And I don't know, maybe, uh, well, no, we were still one nil down when Smith Rowe came on. So it was just odd. We didn't go two nil down to about the 85th minute. So, uh, you know, and at that point, I think we were not de- getting desperate. We were just trying to build play because we weren't really sustaining any pressure against them. But again, you're taking off Odegaard, you're taking off Jesus. These are the players that have really got you to where where you are. I just, I find, I know you've got to make some subs, but you're, like you said, Saka being on the I think there could have been better changes. And sometimes I, I think maybe he's looking at his bench and, you know, and we know he he has a very small pool of players he trusts. It, it's, it's perhaps his biggest weakness that he can't create a bigger pool of players that he trusts, despite the fact that he's basically overhauled the squad. I know Holding and Xhaka and Tierney aren't his players on paper, but, you've got to be able to trust more than 13 in order to win a title. You just, you just have to, because otherwise you, you know, a Saliba injury is going to cost you as much as it cost us, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And I think we said this last season as well, and I, I don't want it to be a super negative podcast, but I do think we've had a fantastic season and it's been one of the most, most enjoyable seasons in many, but, but when I look at it, I'm like, okay, you've, now a lot of these are your guys so you know really it would have been more understandable if he brought Fabio Vieira on because he's his guy you know like um, even though he's not necessarily done it but just I, I did find it I do find it a little bit frustrating that we that we we are affected. I felt this at Everton away actually. We were nil nil at Everton away, and the, we weren't playing great. But they had super athletic midfield Everton. They had like Onana and a couple of other guys in there that were just super athletic. And Jorginho had barely played a minute for us, and he took party straight off. He wasn't having a particularly poor game. Jorginho come on, they scored a minute later from a corner. Now, maybe that would have happened anyway, but I felt that was panicky, to be honest. I was like, you know, nil-nil away at Everton. At that time, I was like, you know, I know they were struggling at Everton, but it's not bad. We don't do well at Goodison Park, notoriously anyway. I was like, wasn't, you know, nothing to panic about. Party at that time was, he was so on form. It was an odd change. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just it is frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. And it's some. Did you read some of his comments after the game, Garrett? Did you Did you read some of them? I, I seen some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I wonder what you thought on it. I wanted to get the exact quotes up, but I'm sort of um, paraphrasing I, a little bit. I, I think it was kind of the first time we've seen Arteta um, kind of voice his frustrations with his squad. And I don't know if it was if he felt it was finally appropriate to do this because like. It's it's done. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Raises I, one. Yeah, because he's been so positive about his squad and his players and their mentality, and I love them and this and that and all this other stuff. And then you know, he, I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially, he said like, "I need, I expect more from my players." Yeah, and, exactly. And it, and it was, um, it was eye opening, I think, and 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 a bit foreshadowing. Um, or I just put more for my squad or something like that. And I think it, it kind of foreshadows to what his expectations are for this summer. Um, and, and all of the work that I think everyone sees needs to be done. And, you know, you're right. Like this shouldn't be a super negative discussion because we've had a fantastic season and we've built a, a lot from seasons past to get to the point where we are today. And, when I look at back at this season, 
I don't want to remember it as one where Arsenal pittered out or bottled it or choked or, you know, whatever the narrative is currently, but I'd rather remember it as one where Arsenal firmly established themselves as the second best team in the Premier League unexpectedly with a squad that's super young and still more to develop. I think Arteta said as much like none of these players have peaked yet. That was an interesting comment, wasn't it? Probably a more the younger players, would you say, because that, you know, uh, yeah, I, think, I think you have to keep that in mind. It's probably the guys that are, you know, 25, 26 younger. Yeah. 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 Or, or it's, um, it's, it's also aimed at the fact that the ones that are older, um, he might be looking elsewhere for. He might be looking at someone else that might be able to hit a peak. That because if if they're not peaked to thirty thirty one, they then they're not getting any better, right? They're not, not you know he's not he's not turning back time. He's not he's not he's not that good. So yeah. I just think um, you know that that's um that's really interesting. Yeah. So I, I can't seem to get the exact quote that I wanted to look for, but um, but he said yeah he, yeah you're right. He basically said that he. he he felt that last week he was very, very proud, and and then this week he, it it was the opposite. And if if the team is capable of of kind of folding like that, then we need a need we need to have a bigger analysis about what's going what's going on collectively. A little bit, you know, like not ultimatumish, but very much like okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna be a bit ruthless with this. I felt I felt we're gonna be ruthless with this. We're gonna assess it, and we're gonna remember it. You know, and I think he's going to remember some of it in the summer and what players that's going to be and how he's going to adjust it will be very sort of interesting and telling. But I think you're right. They're overriding what has to be that we establish ourselves back at the top table. And uh, although we'd love to have pushed it to the final week, in, in the back of my head when I was watching the Brighton game, I was like, I think I'd feel worse if I thought it was a smidgen of a chance at Wolves and we still didn't do it. Uh, I think in a way, I just went, I wish we pushed it to the last day. I've been there on the last day when we've not won it. I've been watching Arsenal on the last day, hoping Tottenham would get a result at Man U and Les Ferdinand putting them 1-0 up and their whole fan base of Tottenham not celebrating because they're so worried that Tottenham are going to get a result. And I'm like, this is never happening. Why am I even, why am I even doing this myself? And of course, Tottenham go on to lose the game. And it happened three or four times, uh, you know, during the point of the, um, of, of the team where we were yeah. going off the top. It's a worse feeling ever to do to lose uh, my, uh, my saving grace for my own like mentals for this season to like not actually do my head in for the last couple of weeks is that if we would have beat Liverpool, Southampton, and West Ham, and still can carried on in this manner, lost to they City, still won in the league. They still would have beaten us. It would like the the whole idea of us having a seven point eight point lead and choking it is a false narrative. Massively, because they always had a game in hand as well. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then there was the game against us, and then a six point swing. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's a convenient narrative because everyone loves to put Arsenal down, no matter who you are, no matter what club you support, no matter what network is paying you to to be a pundit like Arsenal's in the crosshairs. Yeah. Um, so it's a convenient narrative for them, but in the, in the reality, you know, we're up against a superpower unlike almost anything in all of football. And I think it's, it's good to have the perspective that we took them almost to the last weekend 
Um, and you know what? I think that's something to be uh, proud of and, and to commend to the entire club, to yeah. Arteta and Edu and all of the those guys in the front room staff that are that are building this team. To the owners, although everyone loves to, you know, everyone, everyone's kind of not sure how to feel about them, but you got to You got to say, you know, KSE and the Cronkies, like they put their money where their mouth is. Um, and and they talk the talk and they're walking it. And I think we can expect them to continue walking this coming summer because if, if, if history or sorry, if the past tells the future, um, uh, with how KSE operate, um, when it's, when they're close, they go all in yeah, uh, with some of their other franchises and clubs that they, that they own. Yeah. Uh, did it with the Rams, didn't they? Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully the, the blowback isn't as bad as the Rams, but football, NFL football and Premier yeah. a little different beast. The but, draft switching. And yeah, all that, exactly. yeah. It's a big, big turnover. But um, the, uh, I, I think that we should look at this season as a whole as one. You think of it this way, Jack, say, say, uh, gosh, these, these results happened earlier in the season and we went on a killer run to finish second, four points shy of City. You know, just boom. Like how Liverpool are right now. Liverpool are on fire. You know, they're really crap earlier in the season and then here they are, boom. They're winning game after game and they're climbing up the table and they might, you know, get where they're trying to be in the top four and whatever. Say we did that and we finished the season second. Only a few points. I mean, the mood would be so much higher. Yeah, it's all about the end point how it happens yeah yeah what have you done for me lately it's kind of what lives in memory so i i i I hope um i hope the i know the club in the in arteta they will use these last couple weeks as motivation similarly to how we probably used the last couple weeks of last season as motivation to build and and you know carry that through and, and progress but i'm hoping that um the fan base like all of the the connection that you feel at the game. I mean, I, we were two 0 down to Brighton, and I hear the the stadium singing uh, "We Love You, Arsenal." You know, two 0 down at eighty third, eighty fourth minute, and that's fantastic. I don't, I, and I hope that doesn't go away because of these, you know, how things are yeah. appearing. Right. Yeah, because it's, it's it's amazing how expectations can change. Look, look at us. We're disappointed we didn't win the title. We're disappointed, but at the same time, I think I think you I think you're right. I mean, we might as well. Well, I'll mention one of the questions that um, some some of your 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 Arsenal fans over here that sent in some 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 great questions that we're going to call out. But but um, yeah, like you said, it's all about the 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 moment that you and how you finish it. But I just think we've had such a big leap this season, and it wasn't expected and. We were riding the crest of the wave, and we never, for lots of reasons, I don't think we were ever going to be able to repeat the first half of the season. Um, you know, you know, perhaps the World Cup was the worst thing that could have happened to us in a way, but I just think it happened later than that, and and, and things coincided. We really needed because of the amount of players that he actually trusts, but also because of the size of the team and the phase that the team is in right now. We needed a basically a fully fit season. That's basically what we needed. And do you know, what? in the end, we didn't even get close to it. We had Jesus out for three to four months, Saliba out, Tommy Asso out, Zinchenko out for about 10 games, Party out for about 10 games with without injury. Those are big players in big moments for, for a big amount of time. And, you know, if you look at the one of the last six seasons, which was when Liverpool won it, <clears throat> I mean, they, they, they were, they, it was the opposite. Liverpool had basically no longer than a three or four week big injury. And City had big injuries. 
And, you know, players that were really important for them are out for like the season almost. Laporte was their biggest centre-back at that time. I think he got an ACL tear before the season started or one or two games into the season. They lost nine games that season, Man City. They got 81 points, which is the points total we're on now. I mean, you know, that, that, that that's... That, you know that that that's what they would do. It was an outlier. That that was an outlier. That was their off season that they have. That a big team has every now and then. You know, like top team. But if they're on the ball, they they they're just relentless. You know, and um, like you said, I I don't look at it as bottling, but of course that's going to be the narrative because that's what creates attention and people love the banner of it. And I know what it's it's all like. I yeah. mean, but but um, but like you said, it was it was eight points, but there was a game in hand, and they knew they got to play us, and they knew what our running was as well. By the way, I mean our running for the last ten games, twelve, they it was really tough. I mean, you had Newcastle away in there, Liverpool away in there, Man City away in there. Um, you know, Brighton, you, you had, and they, they, City really didn't, other than us, they didn't really have a lot on the, on their plate and all their toughish games were at home. So, the, you know, the, love, the, uh, I love how you didn't even mention Chelsea. That, that kind of makes, that makes me happy. Yeah. It's just, it's just, you've got to beat rele- relegation battlers, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's what we, that's, that's what we all do. And, uh, <laughs> Chelsea's funnest time of the season is going to be letting City, turn them over like they've let everyone else turn them over just so City can win the league against them that's going to be Chelsea's funniest time of the season because you know they, they they hate us far more than they hate Man City and no one really hates Man City that's the problem we've got here no one really cares uh, but they see them as like a, a sort of entity that's separate so even within the league no one really has this sort of animosity towards Man City whereas tons of teams and clubs and historically have it towards Arsenal Chelsea playing against us it's just a huge thing There's a derby every other week in London mm. whereas Man City no one cares about Man City even Man United fans yeah. want Man City to win the league over us that's how much they despise us so it, 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 you know all of those things as well are very very difficult but overall before we kind of obviously I don't want to talk too much about the game but the, the season has been super successful we, we're going to end up somewhere between 81 and 87 points We've scored a ton of goals. What's cost us is defensively. I think we've conceded the most goals since 1984 at home. You can't win the league with these kind of records coming out. And obviously, I think, like you would, um, that a large part of that has been since injuries have occurred. But at the same time, you have to be able to handle those injuries better. And it, it is your biggest sort of, if you're going to have a criticism of Arteta, is that I don't think he adapts to setbacks within the team quickly enough like if there's an injury within the game like this one Martinelli went off and I don't think we looked as, as, as sharp when he went off and we didn't adapt to it and, and, and sleeper injury occurs and I know it was a double whammy but I think it takes us too long to find the give your solution for example right. and I think I think he is a top coach but I think a pep finds that in half the time and I think that's the, the and obviously he's got a 60 million player sitting there so it's slightly different but you know what I mean? No, I, get what you're saying. I think I think that's honestly the difference in what uh and who is winning the Premier League is that is are those adjustments. Man City, I don't think people remember because the Premier League is such like a long grueling competition, but they were not playing very well up until the World Cup and then even shortly after they, they couldn't quite figure it out. And then Pep turned the whole thing on its head. And I think you're probably right that the World Cup was the worst thing that happened to us because it just gave Pep Guardiola like a month to stew over all these crazy mad scientist ideas on how to restructure his team and all this other stuff. And uh, that that adjustment that Pep made had them playing 
to a level that I don't think I've genuinely ever seen a club perform at. I mean, if you look at the results, if you were to take the Champions League out of it, I want to say they've won every single match except for whatever the fucking reason they can't beat Spurs. And and they and boom, then off they go. I mean, it's win, 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 all the way down the line. And low stress wins too. There's no even within that. There's no born for teams. I mean, it's not even yeah. close. No. I mean, I, I remember watching. I remember watching City play Crystal Palace away earlier this season, and we, at that time we were still pretty comfortably ahead. But again, had a, quite a few. I think maybe even two or three games in hand at this point, maybe two. And I, I was like, "Come on, Palace! Like, it's a dodgy team. They're playing at Crystal Palace. That no one likes to go there. It's loud." It, you know, they're, they're always up for it. We get battered almost every season we go there, except for this season. And it's like 3 0, 4 0. Not even, not even, they, it's a walk in the freaking park. Yeah. It's the machine, isn't it? It's just a machine that keeps rolling. And it is frustrating. And, you know, I do, but even that, that, that's the difference between, like, I'm not saying Arteta is, you know, just because he didn't see that adjustment, I don't, I don't want to sort of, you know, absolutely ruining for it. Look, look at Klopp. Klopp's getting lauded at the moment for inverting Trent Alexander. When rather than people's going, how has he only seen this now? Because for <laughs> 18 months, literally all the data has said Trent Alexander is a terrible defensive right back if your team doesn't have perfect players around him in order to achieve the results. A bit like us with Zinchenko, right? But even Arteta, I think, is seen the issues with Zinchenko. I don't think he's trust the alternative, but Klopp basically didn't even want an alternative. And then recently they've pushed him into midfield. He's looked, you know, fantastic in there since they played against us in the second half, basically. And everyone's lauding it as this huge innovation when Pep's been doing inverted fullback for three, four years. Arteta's been trying it for two years and it's been successful. And suddenly Klopp, too long. I tell Liverpool that and they hate it. I went, he took way too long to realise that. They're like, no, no, it's working. He's doing fantastic. And I went, you're barely going to make Champions League if you're lucky this season. No. And 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 he could have could have done it way way sooner. So like Pep is a, is a different animal. He saw, you know, someone like Ake and and he basically put four centre backs at the back. Two of them realised that they could be agile enough to play full backs. And he realised he removed all the weaknesses of Cancelo and Zinchenko in one clean swoop. It was. It was genius, you know. Again, it was nice to have a 40, 50 million player to look at as an alternative rather than 2 million Rob Holding or something like that. But, but you know, it, it, I mean, overall, terrific season. Very frustrating we couldn't push it further because the season is now effectively over. Arteta said that. I'm reading some of his comments. He said, we keep wanting to dig for that dream. And when you have to play in these moments, you cannot do what we did in the second half. And um, he says there's a lot of things we have to analyse and think about because that can just simply not happen. And in saying that, Gareth... Um, what do you want to see for the next two games? Because for me, at the end of that game, I said, well, season's over. We're going to finish second. And by the way, a week ago, some people were saying we're going to fall down to third or fourth. If we'd lost to Chelsea and lost to Newcastle, no one lose to Chelsea, sorry. But if we, if someone had lost, and lost, there would have been four points behind us with, with four games left. And then people would have been looking at it. Currently, we sit, you know, 12, 15 points clear of third place or whatever it is. So, you know, it's it could have easily have, have really gone to a proper collapse. We kind of settled the ship a little bit. But what do you want to see over the next two games? I personally want to see what the future might look like, at the very least not delve into the past. And we've heard some transfer rumours that might maybe push the way we look 
I think I'm curious to see if the rumors that are swirling around this week about uh, Granit Xhaka, for example, um, if they're and even Jorginho to an extent, um, all those guys that are kind of on the bubble. I'm curious to see if that impacts our starting 11 for the next couple matches. Um, primarily, I want to see if ML Smith Rowe gets in there. Um, there was a lot of talk about, you know, I think we even talked about this maybe it was last week or the week prior, but I, I think it would be such a bad decision to get rid of ML Smith Rowe because of his lack of usage this season. I mean, the guy practically was playing on a torn groin and it was our joint top scorer two seasons ago and got it corrected this season and just hasn't had the opportunity to come back. I mean, the, the kid needs a full preseason. He needs to come back fully fit and he's, he's got the stuff. I mean, we've seen it at the Premier League level. Um, so, and I know that there was some talk about him uh, taking on that Granite Jacka role um, because he does, he, he, he very much reminds me of Aaron Ramsey in the way that he plays, carries the ball, runs through the lines, but he always has that good timing of running into the box late and on to, and you know, that's how he scores a lot of his goals. He scored a lot of his goals for us like that uh, two seasons ago. So I'd like to see Emil Smith Rowe and if he's utilized at all. Um, yep. And, you know, outside of that, I just want to see us end the season on a high. Genu genuinely. I, I, I'd love for us to just kind of steady the ship a little bit, have a good performance at Forest, come back, beat Wolves, nice lap of appreciation. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's yeah. too simplistic, but I think there's so I'm looking forward to so much more in the summer that I don't think this team has the answers for to show us in the next two weeks. Um, I, that's where all my questions are. Yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, I think, you know, the next two games will be forgotten very early into the summer once once the transfer window starts rolling. But um, I think Smith Rowe is the obvious one. I mean, he's still not coming on before Reese Nelson, who is largely being thought of as leaving at this point. He's turned down contract offers. He's getting offers from elsewhere in the league. He buries most obviously probably going to be playing more um again i thought he, he was probably the most lively of the substitutions once again um but i've got i personally have got no issue with selling him as long or letting him go as long as we replace him but i think the right for me the right winger is actually in my top three needs in the summer but um smith Rowe, if smith Rowe doesn't feature in the next two games and, and i probably mean from the start i would say that is a real concern and and, and mike your 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 what was mike's last name sorry what was mike's last Dave, name you asked yeah. Question? yeah oh um okay so he asked um some cool questions but one of them the first one was keep or sell smith Rowe, and i'm with you i i, I would I'd love to see a full season of, of him fully fit. And if he's not there, then, then okay. Like this time next season, if he's had, you know, a, a really good chances um, to, to, to start some games and things like that and had a full preseason, no injury ish, issues, not playing with one, then, then, then I, I would, you know, look at that. But, but I, I, that would be one of the players that was certainly one of the homegrown players that I would be like, just, Let's just see. I feel like a lot of the things, the factors you said there, this sort of makes him tailor made for that Jacker role, possibly. But, um, and well, that's where I play. Too. You know, like I, I seen him like walking around the pitch. He's with like six foot. I know. He's a big kid. Yeah. He's six foot. He's not as big as Jacker might be six one, six two, but he's not much smaller than him. 
Yeah, I, I think he's physically got the stature to play that role. Um, and I and I, I maybe I dreamt it, but I could have sworn I saw a report even from maybe it was even from Arsenal that had that kind of showed uh, Arteta's desire to to have uh, ML Smith Rowe play as a box to box midfielder. Um, and I've just kind of held on to that ever since I read that. I don't know, can't recall where I saw it, and I could have dreamt it. But I, I think if we get rid of him, it would just be a mistake. Genuinely. I just wonder what's changed from the definitely something that has changed from the Bournemouth game where he brought him on. And I thought, well, I think what changed was Reese Nelson really, you know was the man of the match in that game and pushed himself. But they're not really the same position, but they are another attacking option. But he came on first, didn't he? Trossard got injured against Bournemouth. Smith Rowe came on for him and then was subbed consequently. And, and Nelson came on and obviously, you know, did his thing and was amazing and, and, and scored the winning goal. And then since then, Smith Rowe's game time has been drastically um, reduced. And he's only really brought him on at points in game where it, the game either feels like it's gone or it's completely out of the equation we've won it or lost i think a man city away he probably came on at three nil down or something like that you know i just have this hunch that he's not quite right yet yeah and he it, needs that full i just have a feeling he's not quite right um and i have a feeling like maybe it's uh hopeful thinking but i just have this feeling that the uh athletic training staff are like very much so limiting the amount of playing time he can have like mm -hmm. this guy can only put in at full speed 25% of a match. Like he, he's, yeah. he's, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty serious reconstructive groin surgery as I understand it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, that's hopeful thinking. I, I, I just think Reese Nelson was one, I don't know if it's recency bias or what, but every time the kid comes on, I feel like he's the one that's got the most, uh, just zip about him. He looks I mean, very sharp. He had a shot against Brighton that was inches away from the far post, putting his laces right through it. And, mm -hmm. you know, he just has that it factor about him. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that he's the guy to push Saka on the right wing, by no means. But I think you would be hard-pressed to find a better alternative than re-signing Reese Nelson than going out into the open market and trying to find a guy that can just play on the wings mm -hmm. from a financial perspective. It's kind of like Eddie and Kenny last season, right? It was like, well, do we just give Eddie a hundred grand a week or do we let him walk and then go pay 20 million and then give a kid 60 grand a week? Like it's, or do we just, you know, I, I don't know. I, yeah. And, I think, and Reece Nelson, I think these are, these are guys that we need to keep around. Yeah. I think the issue there is, is will be, will be, largely from the player. I think it's like Takir and Tierney, you know, I've had a lot of argue, not arguments, but debates with people this week about, you know, we need to keep Kieran Tierney around. I said, well, first of all, I mean, I, I understand why we want to get rid of him, but second of all, the player the player wants to play more. And I think Reese Nelson's probably looking at it and saying, oh, 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 it's time for me to start football matches. You know, he's, he's gone from um, uh, Hoffenheim being sub mostly. Fairnord, he played a little bit more, but was on in and out. Um, I think he was at 
maybe maybe another club for for a while. He, he's been largely a bench player everywhere he's gone, and um, he probably just wants to start somewhere. And we're probably not offering him as big a wage as we were to uh, Eddie and Ketia, for example, who we offered you know 100k a week to. It seems like we're not offering Reese Nelson quite that much. I would have thought. So probably it's largely coming from the player. I'd like to keep him around as well. I just think it's largely um, probably coming from the player. But um, but it'll be interesting. I do really, really want a, a, a right winger in, like you just said, to, to push Bukayo Saka. And uh, when was the last time we were able to sit Saka for a couple of weeks? I feel for him. Genuinely, I do. Like, right. I, I was really harsh on him in, like, my thoughts post-Brighton and... Even now, I mean, I, I said how bad he was, but I feel for him because the guy is forced to play week in, week out, 90 minutes, goal or assist, yeah. you do it. You have to, you know, but I kind of don't sympathize with him as well because Arteta doesn't. And Arteta, I, I think he's even on the record saying like the best players on the best clubs in the world play multiple matches a week like no no excuses and and i agree with that but when you look at what peps let's look at what pep's done with his wingers i mean i think Grealish has played more than most but look how slow Grealish's progression has been into the first team to play and barely started last season and look at phil foden barely starts this season against Arsenal, um, Man City, their right winger on paper for the the, the month leading into that was Riyad Mahrez. Played three minutes, came on <laughs> when it was 4-1. And it, that's the ability because they can go, well, I'm going to sit you, Riyad, because I'm going to put Bernardo Silva there. And well, who have we been able to say that to for Odegaard yeah. or for Saka? We've not been able to do it. And I just think, much as I like Reece Nelson, I, I, I personally can't envisage a time where we go, I think... We could sit Saka for these three games this week and play Nelson in them, and that would be great to see if Nelson takes his chance there. I, I just don't see it happening personally. I like him from the bench. He looks like he's got so much energy and speed on the ball, and when the game's chaotic, I think Nelson opens it up. And But uh, from the start, I think we're going to have to pay big money for a right winger, and I'm still very, very frustrated that we went for a right winger in Rafinha in $60 million and everyone was like, why are we spending money on a right winger? And we never did it, and then we just went away from it. And we, we never went back to it. We tried to do it with Mudrick, but he was a left-sided player. We never got that one either. And I'm not forgetting that Trossard and Jorginho were st- not stopgap, but they were alternative signings, and they were not first-choice, probably even second-choice signings for the wing option and the central midfield option. And we need, we're need we going to address the central midfield position. I think we all know that. But there is not a ton of talk about us definitely addressing the right wing position and for me it's the next on the list I I really think it's the next on the list especially when you've got Champions League coming up can't be playing Saka 90 minutes 90 minutes 90 minutes I just don't think we can I mean he's, he's he has got the ability to do it he's played 78 games in a row in the Premier League I mean and and like 90% of those have been from the start it's mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's just I mean and, it's insane probably sees all of them all the way through yeah, and he plays a lot. Yeah, exactly, they plays a large proportion of them. And what we don't want is just this guy who's 23, 24, and he's almost got too many minutes in his legs. And we've all seen what's happened with the the wheelchairs yeah. and the. I don't even want to say it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, not. It's just worrying. But Mike asked some other quick, great questions, and I'm going to quick fire some of them to you. Does Sambi deserve a chance next season? Yes or no? I liked Sambi when he was here, but I think we put him in a position to fail 
when we expected him to be just as good as Thomas Party in the role that Thomas Party plays. I'm not sure. I, I won't lie to you. I don't know how he got on at Palace. Um, Didn't play much under Hudson. Vieira yeah. was using him, but left too soon. Yeah, so I, I don't know what happened after Vieira left because I know he was starting when Vieira was there, but they were pretty poor uh, overall. Yep. But, you know, it's funny because I think this also begs the question for a couple of our other loanies. Um, Nuno Tavares, I don't think we'll ever see again. Nope, um, gone yet, agree. Fine by me. Uh, Sambi, I thought he was a great player. I like. I really liked the, his touch and he had like that long stride and I think he has something about him. I just don't know. I don't know if, I think the expectation, like I just said, of him being Thomas Party reincarnate is, is a, is a, not fair for him. Um, Nicola Pepe is on the books and coming back from France. I mean, how to get rid of him. That's a right winger. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, apparently Nice don't want him either. They don't know. Well, they might not want him because he's on 175 grand a week. That's probably why they don't want him. But yeah. Um, what do you think about that situation? Um, I, de- I definitely don't see him coming back. I mean, I, I think Arteta's, Arteta, there's no track record of Arteta playing a player regularly uh, or, or having him in the squad regularly, loaning him out and then bringing him back in. It, it, there's not, there's no player he's done it with. So I think just that on based on that alone, I, d- I don't see it. And I also think he's just a very, very different type of player to Saka. I don't think he trusts him on the ball enough. And if you look at like City's wingers, they just never lose the ball. They just don't lose the ball. Pepe loses the ball all the time. I mean, yeah. it's just all the time. And what he has is this star quality when he gets into the final third. That's what he definitely has. But he he's not trustworthy with the ball. He's had six goals, zero assists in 19 games for Nice, who are, I think, around mid-table. I'm not sure. But they they they, they buy a lot. I think it's going to be a very difficult one. So I don't think... We'll, keep him and I think it'll be very difficult to remove that's a shame because I agree wholeheartedly that Arteta doesn't want him to be around just don't see where he goes yeah me neither I've got yeah. no idea I don't know how long his contract is either um, I, I mean look at- I'm on it that's for sure um, I got a, a, another question here actually since we're on the topic of transfers um, yep. Jordan asked uh what is the lowest number value, I assume, you would accept for tyranny to sell him to a Premier League rival like Newcastle? And I think he asks because there's been links today, a number of players for Arsenal that are kind of on the chopping block. And uh, tyranny was was directly linked to Newcastle, um, which I could see because... Yes, that's been the strongest link, yeah. Yeah, I could what, see. What's, because, your, what's your number? What's your number? Well... Uh, remind me, what did we bring him in for? About 25, Okay, I think. I, I think you're right. I wanted to say 20, but I thought that might have been too low. I, I'm, I'm double-checking it because I don't want to be wrong. But um... Yeah, let me know. But, I, I mean, I really, really rate Tyranny as a left-back. I would... 25, yep. I would venture to say he is probably the first or second best true left back in the Premier League Um, in the sense of like just being a traditional left back. None of this like inverted number tens that we put in the back four, (laughs) you know, to to give us more of the ball. I think if there's a market for him, we could sell him for the value we purchased or more. Um, 
Yeah. I, oh, I, no. think could, I think we could very simply turn a profit on Karen Tierney, 30, 35 million. Um, I agree. I agree with those numbers. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's realistic. You yeah. Know, to a rival, you should, you should be expecting that. Yeah. I think, I think if he had a better injury history, you'd probably be saying 40 plus, but you know, he, he doesn't quite, it's a bit suspect though. This year he's been relatively fit. Oddly enough, he's relatively fit the season. We don't really need him as much, which is, of course. <laughs> Maybe, that's why. Maybe that's why, honestly. Yeah, that's a good, no, I mean, that's a good question. And I think I agree with your numbers. I, I wouldn't change it at all. Uh, Pepe's contract actually runs out in 2024, which means he's only got one year left, which might make it possible because if he's only got one year left, we might be able to loan him. We might have to pay part of his wage or something like that, but if we can loan him into a purchase or something like that, or at the end of it, you know, do something like we did with Niles a little bit, you know, Niles basically, I think had already been, been removed from this loan. Yeah. It already been, like, basically it's terminated from the club or something. Yeah. Um. So when you've got a year left, there's a bit more chance. I thought he was still 2025, but he's still 2024. So there's a chance there. Um, Who's going to, Jacka is, Today um, has been not only strongly leaked. They're saying the deal is almost done. Some some reliable sources are saying the deal is almost done for Leverkusen, somewhere between thirteen and fifteen million. If you're talking to Leverkusen, you've got to be talking about Musa Diaby. I just don't. You cannot be dis even discussing Gradzicka without talking about their right winger, who's got thirteen goals and nine assists or something this season. Um, and he did the same last season as well. And they've taken Javi Alonso's Leverkusen's almost to win the Europa League. So um, I. Just um, I think he's I think he's my he's my right winger for 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 Saka to to challenge against. But who would you? I I find this question quite difficult. So I'm wondering if you've got an answer for it. Who would you choose to replace Saka if it's an external purchase and you're not envisaging the the Smith Rowe? Obviously, that would be the ideal situation. Save us a lot wow. of money. Um. Wow, this is a hard one because I if. I don't know if it's a Jacka replacement that I foresee um, because I could see that if I, if I'm playing, if I have like my Edu hat on and I, what I think he's going to do this summer, I don't know that he's going to replace Granite Jacka per se. I think he's going to supplement the midfield and he's going to buy Declan Rice. If I could guess who of all the midfielders that we're linked to, all the ones that we've pursued and past windows and everything. There's so much smoke around rice that I think he's going to be the one that comes in. And I think he's going to be the, the one that comes in to just bolster the midfield. I don't think we're going to, I mean, the Granite Jaka sale is, is one that took me really by surprise. If it happens, then okay. I, I genuinely don't know who we would put to replace in Europe in that position. But because I don't see Declan Rice playing that position, no, I see him as more of like a guy at the base of the midfield. Mm -hmm. But if if anything that we've learned in the last number of weeks from this season is that Thomas Party is not a guy that can play across a couple of competitions, multiple matches a week. It it burnt him into the ground, practically ran him into the ground and his hamstrings were just barely hanging on for dear life. I mean, I, there were pictures of him in the bus with like physios from Arsenal just sitting with them like, I don't know what they were doing there, but yeah. <laughs> they were there. Obviously worried gone, about the yeah. yeah, and um, I, I see us bringing in a Declan Rice, like big money transfer, and... Um, Seems like a guy that would just fit the system, 
fit the fit the profile of the team. Well, you certainly fit. Sorry to interrupt you. That you would certainly yeah. fit if you're going to talk about Jack a replacement character and leadership wise. Yeah, absolutely. It fits I think like it's so crucial about him. I think it is crucial. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be even more crucial than the football inside because I'm a huge Saicedo. If I purposely didn't mention Saicedo, I just thought he was an. App. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. By the way, against Arsenal, just mm. Matoma was right there with him. But I mean, he basically was centre mid, and then he was right back, and he just looked like he was doing it with ease. And he's a he's a little bit of a dirty player, and he's 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 got a, he's definitely got a bit about him as well in a different way. You know who he um, reminds me of? Um, you remember Ramirez for Chelsea when he was good? Oh, yeah. Very good player, Ramirez. Yeah. Very, very good he does, he does remind me a little bit of him. And yeah, I, engine, similar engine to him as well. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, the similarity that really draws me to them. It's like Ramirez was all over the place making life absolute health for us. But, yeah. um, I, I mean, I just don't see a, a, a world where Saicedo and Rice – are purchased by Arsenal in the same window. Like we just, it's never going to happen. We're, we're more likely to get neither than <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what we are. And if I was, that's what I love when Arsenal's fans are saying it. I'm like, you've been burned so many times before yeah. and you come back with this full confidence into the next window. And, um, I, you know, I, look, I, I go back and forth with the rice. So I see it because like you, I'm like, if we're going to get one, it's going to be one. And I like, you know, when you say who's going to replace Jack when you mention rice, I, I think character wise and leadership wise, he definitely has a lot of that, but he's not really an eight. I mean, some of the eights that I'm thinking about that we maybe have been sort of talked about with, but it's, it's very difficult with the eight because Tillemans would be one, um, possibly. Javi Simons, who plays attacking midfield and right wing, was linked to us you know, yesterday from PSV. He's a really good player, but very different sort of technical player, but very, very good going forward. I think ultimately, Jacques, I feel like Jacques has been had a great season, but I think... I watch him sometimes with this being one of the games and I think someone that's just a little bit more natural going into the final third doesn't take the extra touch because I do feel like sometimes Jacker is the spare man going forward mm -hmm. and I feel like he has a lot of space to run into which is why well, I keep going back to prime Smith Rowe and thinking we can't lose this guy yet because I seeing things but I, I, I what's really interesting about the eight is will we directly replace the eight like you said or will we will we look at players that are already at the club will we try to use that money in 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 other ways like solidify the midfield at the base a bit more all that kind of stuff questions it if you buy Saicedo and Rice and you still have Party and Jorginho it feels very collected at the six to me um I don't really see any natural eight there yeah. you know so so I, I like you I, I think you know it's it's one or the other and the eight will be a very interesting one um, Mike, you know who, whose name we haven't even mentioned this entire time in the midfield is Fabio Vieira. Yeah, what do you think will happen? Oh, did he ask a question? He did. Is Fabio Vieira good enough? Was another question we got. Is Fabio Vieira good enough? And um, I'm reluctant to judge him too much just yet, but I think next season's crucial for him. What about you? I agree. I think uh, he's shown signs, like especially in the European matches, like the, Euro yeah, the Europa League and stuff that we were playing in. He had some good performances. Um, but you know, he just seems like he needs a little bit more steel about him. You know, I, I don't know. I think next season is ultimately the one that's going to tell his tale at Arsenal. Um, there's a lot of like adaption period and all this other stuff. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I I don't know the history of many players coming over from Portugal, the Portuguese league to England and truly succeeding like right away. Um, spent a lot of money on them. Someone sees something in them. So I hope, I hope it comes good. Um, I don't know if, if he's a guy that wants to play that number eight or if he's like the guy that backs up Odegaard. Um, but when Odegaard has struggled or when we've tried to change things up, it's never been Fabio Vieira as of late. It's been more for Xhaka, actually. Yeah, yeah. To, to come in and play for him there. So, yeah, when Xhaka, well, that's, that's right, wasn't it? He was actually he actually started a few games in that position. Yeah. Um, so it's it, I think time will tell on that one, but I'll, I'll be watching him closely, um, to be honest, because I don't know that anyone has seen anything from him this season that truly is like, oh, got a player here, you know? Mm-hmm. That's something here. Yeah. If anything, well, yeah, I think Reese Nelson has probably showed more promise this this season. Yeah. Has, yeah, is- he's definitely pitted out. I felt like I saw some stuff pre World Cup. You know, he had a uh, start at Brentford, and I thought he was he was terrific. He scored a wonder goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the game against Wolves, which was the game just before the World Cup, and uh, Xhaka felt sick about a minute into it, and he and and he, he created the goal for Odegaard, and he had a pretty good game. I, I want to say I think there's a a player in there and I want to say that he won't loan it I think there's been a lot of links to him loaning him out and I want to say that he won't do that and he'll be part of the squad going forward I don't see him being loaned out either no I, I, I don't I think he's going to I, I really like his technical ability I, I just physically way off yeah. way off so when we play Wolves next week and he sees Adama Traore just go into the gym with him <laughs> and spend a month in there with the gym with him and he'll be all right probably and he'll probably be a proper player <laughs> but I do I do really like his I think his final ball early on in the season I was watching him, I was like his final ball is excellent like really good and then it pitted out and he had some really bad performances post World Cup and it, which was odd because he didn't go to it um and it just sort of faded out a little bit for him. Um, so a couple more from, from Mike before we go. What is the lowest number? We've done that one, sorry. Ideal Xhaka replacement, we kind of spoke on that a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, we talked, spoke about another solution, possible solution there with Vieira. So is it Vieira? Is it Smith-Rowe? Is it going to be someone else? Uh, I'd like us not to attack the eight with huge amounts of money until we've done a few other areas like the, the six and the right winger and probably a fullback. But, you know, personally, that would be right because I don't really know what he's going to do with the likes of Smith and Vieira. But um, the last question, which is not a great one to remind ourselves of, but do you think conceding that late goal to Liverpool is the point where our season turned? Garrett? Uh, yeah, uh, Jordan asked me this question. Um and I don't think it is, uh, personally. Do you think there was a turning point, or do you think it's no? Just I don't. I don't because I think I think the nature of going away to Anfield is kind of like a experience that you put in a box, and you just deal with it there and then and there. Going to the Anfield, Spurs, Old Trafford. Old Trafford. I feel like, for whatever reason, those seem to have ripple effects. But like. You know, that's kind of like the old adage of like, oh, forms out the window and you know, big derby match and all this other stuff. I, I just see, I think going to Anfield is one as a, is a, is an experience similar to that, like the North London derby. Um, because I don't know why. I just feel like when we're there, it's just something that you, that it's, it's 90 minutes in a vacuum that you have to deal with. So I don't think the two nil lead that we, 
that got pulled back. I think we just went to Anfield and we get out of Anfield and then we get on with our season. Um, I think a win there has a big ripple, has a big uh, amplifying effect on what can happen. But we've been beaten there so many times over the last couple of seasons. I just think we go there and try and get something out of it. And we did. Yeah. Um, I think the turning point of our season was when uh, Saka missed his penalty against West Ham. Yeah, that's another one that's been talked about. Yeah, yeah, because you know, with that we go what three one up, do we? I think. Yeah, and then we conceded. I think maybe a minute later. Um, yeah. And to me, that was such a pivotal moment of our season because I forget what the table looked like at that time, but we may have been able to go ten or eleven points clear of City. Um. And then we would have had a couple, who knows what would have happened if we get out of there 2-1, 3-1 out of West Ham and we go and play Southampton. Go, you know, it, the, to me, the, the, the confidence level of Bukayo Saka just went, I think that was when you truly started to see his dip in form. Um, the ripple effect that that has on the squad overall is significant because of how much we rely on him. Mm. I think you could just feel in that moment that it was slipping away and, and we were still in such a good position. That's how it felt for me anyways. I mean, if I, if I, if I were to look back on the last couple of weeks, what could I have back? What, what moment could I change? I would have Bukayo Saka net that penalty and, we get the, out of there. The odd thing about that moment was he was having a terrible game. And I remember him stepping up for the penalty, knowing he was our penalty taker, going, I know he's our penalty taker, but he is having a terrible game. And I felt nervous, and I never really felt nervous with him taking a penalty before. It's easy to say that in hindsight, but I, I remember him having a very poor game. And he wasn't great away at Liverpool either before that, the week before it. And it felt like it had started to come on. The turning point for me was the 20 minutes in the Europa League, where we lost Saliba, and then we lost Tommy Asu. Yeah. Although it didn't have the effect, I went to see Arsenal-Leeds after that, a few weeks after that game, and we beat Leeds. But I remember sitting there with my brother and saying, yeah, we're, we're a little lucky to go 1-0 up here because they've had a lot of chances. And we had a lot of games like that where we'd win them, like we'd be Palace at home, but we'd concede a lot of chances, so many more than what we would concede previously, just so many more. And um, and uh, it, you just felt the inevitable with the huge running that we had coming in. We knew games were going to get tougher. And you and you just felt that that we weren't necessarily going to be be strong enough to to, to see it through, because we, our game our game had changed drastically without Saliba, and and it, should it have probably not. But when you combine Saliba and Tomiyasu, I I have a little bit more sympathy for Arteta because it's two positions that are basically the same. You know, he's right back, or is it? You could move Ben White to right to centre back then, and you could didn't have the opportunity to do it. So it's really a double whammy. It's the equivalent of 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 City losing, you know. Ake and then losing the port and and they they've, they've loaned out Concello so they've got to play Rico Lewis back there for seven weeks you know something like that it's a big yeah it's a big round Rodri and then 
stones on top of it or Calvin Phillips on top of it. It's double whammy. And that, that's, I don't think that's easy for any club, let alone clubs with, you know, limited spending like we, or a little bit limited spending like we do. But mm-hmm. um, last one on the loan before I do predictions, uh, Balligan's uh, mm-hmm. committed to US. You you must be happy for, with that. Yeah, do you excited. think that change, obviously a few weeks ago, we heard that Balligan not is leaving, but basically wants to be starting every, you know, regularly, otherwise he's going to leave. Just wonder what your thoughts are on what we do with Balligan and, 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 and Eddie and does the commitment to USA change anything with our ownership and, you know, like some Matt Turner in the squad and all that? No, you know, that I never even considered that, actually. Um, ownership, nationality, alliances, and Matt Turner. I never even – I didn't even think about that. Maybe, maybe it'll help, but um, what I want and what I think to happen are two different things. What I want to happen is that uh, love him. We know who Eddie and Kedia is. His stock will probably never be higher. And I hate to say it, but bluntly, like I just don't think he's going to be any better than what he is currently. Um, so capitalize on that and sell him to some mid-table team that could use a very good striker. And he will be very good for them, you know. Um, what would we get for him? What do you think we'd get for Eddie and Kay? What could we get for Joe Willock? $25 million? <clears throat> Yeah. There or thereabouts? Yeah. Maybe striker, $30, $30 million. I would say you could make a case because uh, I don't want to downplay him, but uh, Eddie and Kedia was a very suitable striker for us when Gabriel Jesus was out with his knee, and we were top of the league the entire time. Right. So, I mean, he has that in his resume. Um, That's true true for a good period of time. Yeah. You know, so he, he, he was leading the line for the team that was top of the league for a number of months. So we, but if anything, to me, that just gives us more selling power. Um, I want to sell Eddie because I think someone in the front line is going to be sold. So to me, it should be Eddie. And I think Flo Balogun needs to come in. And I think, yeah, at the very least, given a full preseason. Yeah, I mean the yeah, guy's I mean, going to be part of the U, the, the U.S. tour. Yeah, for him. Well, that's for really him. what happened with Saliba, isn't it? I mean, do, yeah. I don't know if Arteta knew straight. Maybe he did straight away. He didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. We saw him in preseason, and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. we look amazing. You know, yeah. this guy is insane, yeah. and a lot of us already felt it. But you've got to give Balogun. He's not given the reason I think he's got a chance. Balogun is he's not given him one yet. He's not given him any chance. Right. It's not like, it's not like Ganduzi or Pepe. These guys. Sambi or Nuno. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like who are are really up against it. uh, Yeah. In terms of their Arsenal career. Yeah. He's got a chance to, I mean, goodness. I mean, he went to France and is he going to finish the season, the league scorer, top scorer? I think he might be second behind like Mbappe or something like that. Or actually he might be behind Lacazette, which doesn't do wonders for his, the, 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 the nature and difficulty levels of the, of league one where yeah. Lacazette's banging in four. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's um, about fourth top goal scorer. Now it's Mbappe, Lacazette, Jonathan, David, and Oh, he's fifth, Diallo, and then it's him. He's on 19, Mbappe's on 26, Lacazette's on 25. Wow, how about that? Wowzer. But still, an incredible season. Come on, yeah, a great season nonetheless. Probably was top of the – I don't know what his most recent – I can't tell you I watched one minute of French football. I believe Um, he scored this weekend, actually. Good. See? Bring him in. He's he's on fire. 
Yeah, exactly. I just, I just think he needs to come and, and have his opportunity. And and the point I was making, I think, about a week or two ago about this scenario is that this the wage difference, not that Eddie's breaking our bank or anything, but there's value to bringing in uh, Flo Balligan and mm. selling Eddie. There's value there. And we mm. have a lot of work to do uh, in terms of yeah forcing the squad this summer so the, the counter argument there might be and I, i'd rather sell eddie than balligan by the way um though i i i mean I, I wouldn't say i want to sell both but if we had like a an alternative number nine that was very different to jesus by that i mean bigger stronger though jesus is strong more clinical um proven at the top level and he and, and we had that in the, in the back pocket I wouldn't be against Eddie in a Balogun sale, although I, d I don't like the fact we've not even seen Balogun in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah. But I, I wonder, I think I like your, the thoughts on, on, let me, on bounce this, let, me, let me bounce this off of you. So why, why not bring in Balogun and find that other look type of striker when Jesus can and has played on the right wing almost exclusively in his club career. Yeah. Especially for Manchester City. Yeah. I think if we get a striker and we don't get a right winger, that has to be what we're planning. Because, but the, the, the odd thing there is he's, I don't think he's even used Jesus on the right wing. Maybe he did for like 15 minutes in a game or something like that. I can't no, I recall it personally. Like even when Trossard played up top with him, it was Trossard that was out wide. Even when Eddie plays up top with him, it's Eddie that's out mm -hmm. wide. We we basically have kept Jesus very, very central. Yeah. That, that can all change really quickly. Yeah, that's not to just, but, but my point is, is that I think Jesus is so versatile that if he needs to play on the right wing. He can do it, yeah. So, nothing yeah. It is. It is something to consider, and that, that's an interesting one. Um, I, I'm really curious what happens at the nine position and what we do with Balogun and, and stuff like that. I just, I'd like to see him in preseason. At the very least, I'd like to see him in preseason. And with Eddie, uh, if there's takers for him and the wage, he's sort of like Ollie Watkins is on seventy five grand a week. Eddie's on on a hundred grand a week. You'd probably want, you know, Ollie Watkins is more established. So, my, but I think you're right. There will be takers. There's got to be takers for him. He's not had a bad season, so. What's your prediction? Not that it's hugely important, but what's your prediction for Nottingham Forest away, who are still trying to guarantee their Premier League survival, I think, and um, and and uh, Arsenal. I think it's a Saturday night game, I want to say, but I've got to double check yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. What's uh, your prediction for that? Gosh, Nottingham away, they have it all to play for. We don't. Maybe I'm a little cynical, but I'll say 1-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds we, we went to Forest a few years ago, didn't we? When we were in the cup and they were in a, you know, the championship, and we lost there in our in those right. famous all white kits. So hopefully that's not a bad omen, and we and we and we correct that. But one one, who's your scorer? My scorer will be just for the sake of it. I'll say Smith Rowe. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. As a starter, you know, start. It's got to start. It's just yeah. got to start. But um, he, he won't even be in the squad, will he? Um, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, I'll go. Ah, oh, screw it. I'll go uh, two one Arsenal. I'll go two one Arsenal, and I'll say uh, Jesus first scorer. 
Not that it matters too much, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens and we'll get on next week and maybe there's a lot of transfer rumours coming out early. Maybe we do something early, you know, but they're coming over to America, big fan base, going to want a few of those new fresh new shiny players in the in the new debacle of an away kit yeah, let, me ask you a question. let me ask you a question uh chelsea do the unthinkable and get a result against city would they have to win or draw i think they have to win lime isn't never happening is it yeah so i mean i no, i'm sorry uh, city have to win to win the league they could if they draw it's still, you know. Oh, it's still up in the air. Yeah, it's still there. I I saw a world where someone did a little predictatron meter thingy, and it was Arsenal win, win, win. City draw, loss, loss, and Arsenal win the league. Why I'm, do we do it to us? I know, I know, but I'm just gonna say it. If Chelsea do the unthinkable and just don't lose. Will you believe again? No, I, I will not. I refuse to believe again. <laughs> it's the it's the hope that I always post the uh, meme from Seinfeld. My dream yeah, no. is to be hopeless. That my dream is to be hopeless. That's that's what my dream is at this point. I'm like, I just it, want it over like, with. It's gonna and, for me. It's gonna be like the. Uh, is it the Sopranos? Uh, you like, know, you just pull me right back in. Yeah, you <laughs> know And you know what they play after us, so it's reliant upon us actually going to Forest and winning. We do have to win. We yeah. have to beat Forest, which I, mean, I think throws up all. City are probably sitting there going. You might not even turn up at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Yeah. And we'll still get three points. Um, but yeah, Chelsea would just give them to them. But Chelsea fans would love nothing more than to roll over and die for Manchester City. I know that much. So I just, I don't, when those kind of things are in play. But that, that is the slight frustrating. You know, it would have been nice to watch another weekend of football being like, oh, you know, to see what happens here. You know, like just, just for the sake. Now my, I'm largely just invested in who doesn't get top four. Um, yeah. That and, and I go back and forth with who I don't want it to be because I hate you know, them. All. I just hope Everton get relegated so we don't have to go to Goodison Park anymore. Yeah, I agree with that, and that looks relatively unlikely at the moment. It looks like the bottom three are going to go down. I think, doesn't it? It looks like right feels... there in it. I, I'm looking at it right now. They're all on 36 games played. Everton. Oh, yeah, at, they are right in it. Everton yeah. at 32 points, Leeds at 31, Leicester at 30. I'd have no problem with uh, a Leeds or Leicester staying up over at Everton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get them down. Get them down. Deitch is a nightmare. <laughs> and he only he only cares about playing us. He rolls over for everyone. But he plays against us and he starts chewing an extra packet of gum. It's really <laughs> annoying. He's really annoying, the gravel drinker, isn't he? I know, yeah. proper annoying. <laughs> get him out of the league. He's, he's a championship manager, so get him back where he belongs. Yeah, I think that's a great, that's that's a great call. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe after this weekend, then Chelsea fans, United fans, Liverpool fans will all buy their tickets to the city parade and have a gay old time over there. Yeah, they love all that stuff, don't they? Yeah, they have a cheery time. It's, it just shows how massive we are. People, yeah. we've not won the league for 20 years and people have been dreading the thought of it. And yeah. I've, what's told me this season is we are still absolutely despised 
by a large group of fan base. So I couldn't be happier about it, to be honest. But um, so I'll amazing. take it. I'll take it. We're living rent free in people's heads all season, which is amazing. Right. Um, Garrett, it's been a pleasure. Thank you to Mike and Jordan for asking questions and uh, maybe get them on a chat in in the future weeks. Um, I also we do ones over the summer because a transfer window for me is just since Arteta came in has probably been the most exciting time because I actually believe what he says about it. I'm like, oh, you're actually going to do stuff. Uh, so this 200 million spending thing might actually happen. It's amazing. Brilliant. Gotta love Josh Cronkey. Get in that SoFi Stadium or wherever it is. The spaceship, yeah. I call it. Fantastic. I'll be there. But we'll be there. But um boys, we'll be back at uh boys and girls ever at uh, at purely Arsenal FP on Twitter and purely Arsenal on YouTube, Spotify, and uh all your podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, all that. And uh give us a review or send in some questions. We love to answer them. We appreciate it, and we'll be back next week after Smashing Forest and after Lampard's tricky Chelsea going at a 1-0 Madrid win at the Etihad. Remo. Okay, thank you guys. Love the Arsenal.